0: Thank yeah. you. Brian's name from the top first. What's new? Mm -hmm. So we know everybody here, right? There's not anybody here that we know. You Okay, good. Do you know Daniel? Daniel, Do you know Daniel? Hi, (laughs) (laughs) Daniel. Hi. So when we went back this time, it had been basically two and a half years since we were on the ground for any length of time. I had done a a small trip, and Brian had done a small trip, but for the most part, we had gone a long time without actually seeing these folks. And so the first thing that happened, all of the staff, the US staff, went together this time, and um, that's the first time that's ever happened, that we were all there at the same time. So um, we took the first couple of days and just visited Half of the guys went to the countryside and um, they did some teaching and stuff out there and then the rest of us met with the city guys and pretty much we just had a time of um, sharing and fellowship and praying with one another, just catching up on what's happened. Because we've been apart for so long and even though we've been emailing back and forth, y'all know how that goes. You get basic information but you don't really feel like you know how people are doing and so um, that's kind of how it began. So there was lots of tears. <laughs> and it was really emotional for everybody to get back together. But it was, it was also such a blessing. It was really good to um, have that time together. And in fact, we're so full of stories that we can only give you a part of them today. Because there was just so much crammed into this short time. So um, that's the city guys um, that we gathered with. And What do you mean city guys? We have um, ministers that we support in the city and then ministers in the countryside. They have churches or fellowships there in the city, that many in the city. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. and um, yeah, some of the, the guys in the city are probably the ones who've been with us the longest. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them now are um, not only working at the church they were originally at but they planted churches and so some of them like work with several churches so um yeah there's a long rich history with most of these guys and yeah that's just at the gathering um you yeah. know my gosh <laughs> yeah <laughs> he says you will come speak what is on your heart and so i'll talk for about while, and say that's not enough go some more so <laughs> I just kept talking until he told me I was done. <laughs> it was good to share. Um, and this is Tonet and her husband, um, Burhanu. They are, you guys know that Ayala passed away. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who started TLC and had worked there for, I think it was 17 years now, 16, 17 years. So, it was a huge thing when he passed away, what's gonna happen at TLC? Well, Natanet, actually, we met when Brian was teaching at the Bible school. Um, She was one of his students, and we got to know her and her husband really well. They're amazing people, and in fact, I would have her come with us when we would do the youth retreats for TLC as a counselor and teacher, and so Ayala got to know her that way. So when she graduated from Bible school, he, asked, he called and asked her, please come to work for us. And so she did. And so he had been training her in all of the ways of TLC, administrative. She was hired as a social worker and Bible study leader, but he trained her to do everything. So when he passed away, she was able to step right into his shoes. She knew all the paperwork. She knew all the government things. She, she knew everything that was going on and um, she's done an amazing job. But as you can imagine, it was really intimidating for her to step into a place where he had been, and was so well respected. And even in the government offices, they all knew who he was and he worked well with them. So um, we felt like one of the main reasons we needed to be there was to encourage her and to just assure her that God is in this, he's put you here for a reason, He's gifted you for these things, you know, just to kind of speak that truth, so that she felt reassured in all of, because I mean, it's an enormous job. Um, so it was really good to spend time with her, yet that's at the youth retreat, one of them that she came to. And um, so I spent a lot of time with her at TLC. Um, I did a lot of visiting in homes with, with families there. Um, I taught one of the weekly Bible studies. Um, mm-hmm. I had twelve to sixteen year olds. About forty of them. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I so. <laughs> they were they were interesting. The first few weeks I couldn't get them to say a word. So I got to wear I would wear my dress that had big pockets and fill it with candy. And so anybody who would answer a question, I would chunk them a piece of candy. <laughs> so all of a sudden everyone wanted to participate in the Bible study. So I told, um, told Netsonnet and some of the other teachers, I'm just not above bribery, whatever it takes for them to talk to me. So, But that was really fun, I enjoyed it a lot. And then um, she had asked me to speak to some of the guardians. Many of our guardians, because they are among the poorest of the poor, have multiple health problems, most of them chronic. We have a lot of families with HIV, we have some with cancer, with ongoing TV, um, just all kinds of illnesses. And she said, especially during COVID, when medical health became even more scarce, um, all kinds of new medical needs popped up, as well as complications from malnutrition. Um, because not only were they not able to work, um, the food that TLC provides was less and less because the prices have quadrupled and mm-hmm. it's just um S- scary how, how out of control their economy is so um she just wanted to have a time to gather and she said you know you've had every kind of illness there is so you can <laughs> talk about how god works and all that thanks. i was like yes. um thanks mm-hmm. so so we get together and, and i shared some testimony and some scripture and we talked about. Um, just what God's been doing in my life and how I've seen Him at work. And a huge part of that was um, prayer from other believers. Not only that I knew they were praying for me because I was on a lot of lists, but people who came and prayed with me and spent time just lifting me up before the Lord. And I talked about how healing that was for my spirit in the midst of all these things. And so at the end of class... I just kind of said, okay, you know, Netson and I are going to be around for a while. If any of you really want um, us to pray with you, we'll be upstairs. Well, there were like around 40 ladies that were there, over 20 of them lined up. And so we prayed for hours that afternoon. And um, this is just one of the ladies that we prayed with. Um, And unfortunately, I cannot tell you what her name is because I call her Christina's mom. (laughs) I don't know, that's all I remember about her name. I didn't write it down. But she has a six-year-old, Christina, who's a part of TLC, who's completely healthy and just a joy to work with. She's just a sweet little girl. But she has a three-year-old daughter who's been pretty much sick since she was born. Um, And they've told her all kinds of things are wrong with this child, from heart stuff, to some um, severe bacterial infection, but um, they'll give her medicine and her symptoms will diminish a little bit, but then they'll pop right back up. And so she was telling us this day, she said she's in pain all the time. She's always crying. And it sounds like temper tantrums, but she's scared and she's hurting. But their landlord is threatening to kick them out because she's disturbing the neighbors. And she said the most recent development was now when she cries, blood also comes out of her eyes. Mm -hmm. And the doctors have no idea why that's happening. And we heard so many bizarre stories like this, where they've taken him to this doctor, to that clinic, to every hospital that would let him in, and nobody knows what's going on. So um, we spent a lot of time just praying um, and asking for God's intervention, for his healing, for his peace. yeah, it was it was one of the most exhausting days I spent, but one of the best days there. And she asked me if I would just share her prayer request to everybody I talked to, and I was like, absolutely, I will do that for you. So Christina is the big sister, and Matlitz is the little sister, mm-hmm. and the mom is the mom. <laughs>
1: While we're on the TLC kids, um, you know, about 250 children that. Ayala took in and then we found sponsors in the US to help provide food and clothes and medicine for these kids um, that's been going on for 16 years and uh, Yela for a long time Yela was really the only worker and then over time he hired some helpers but when he died back in November um, it was a, the, the reaction was kind of strange there what I heard from parents some of the older kids, even Netsonet, our friend who worked there, when they heard that the Yale died, they thought, okay, that's the end of TLC. We won't get our checks, any- we, won't- checks. we won't get our money each month anymore. And um, Netsonet thought, well, that's the end of my job. You know, um, So they sort of had a double <coughs> worry there. Um, and so it was good to be able to show them that, you know, um, it's going to keep going just like it's been going. Natsana, you know, didn't realize, she didn't think she'd be asked to take over the ministry. Um, And then she was, you know, so she's really stepped up. She and her husband have um, suffered through several miscarriages and, and don't have children of their own, apparently can't have kids. And so for her to have these 250 kids is... A sweet ministry and uh, the fact that she's now uh, strongly taking up the mantle you know to do the work it's great for us but it's also great for those families to know somebody's here somebody's, somebody's in charge it's going to keep going um, and she knows them all you know we're we we do not have to, we didn't have to hire some stranger to come in she knows the families she knows where they live and they know her so um, God had already answered our prayers. After Yala died, we started praying really hard. But what we didn't realize is God had already answered those prayers before he ever died.
0: Well, and that reminds me, um, speaking of God putting things together, we got an email from her a couple of days ago. Um, Ben and Pipo and their girls are going um, at the end of June. And so um, Natana was saying she needs some Uh, She wants to get yarn and crochet needles because she wants, um, during when school's out during the rainy season, to draw the women and girls in to teach them crocheting in a skill, but as an opportunity, when they're sitting around in this room, to speak about spiritual things. Because when they have guardians meetings, um, the believers, and even the iffy ones will come but a lot of the Muslim parents don't come to that. But if there's a skill thing, if if they can make something and take it home or sell it, then it'll draw more of the fringe guardians in. And so um, she's asked me to gather yarn and crochet needles. And then she also asked for embroidery thread because they have um, a string art project they want to do with the guys. Because she didn't think they would be too into crochet, but. A lot of them do enjoy creative things. So um, So anyway, so I was going to put that before you guys. If anybody feels led, they help with yarn, crochet needles, or embroidery thread. Um, over the next week and a half or so, I need to be gathering that kind of stuff, so. We took it's out there. we took okay.
1: some yarn this time, because uh, yeah. kind of just as a, on, on a lark, and some crochet crochet needles. When we took the yarn out of our suitcase, um, they were like, what is that? You know. And I'm like, well, surely you've seen yarn. Well, they're like, yeah, we have yarn, but it doesn't look like that. They're used to just really cheap, tiny.
0: Yeah, what they do is crochet is almost like patty because their <laughs> yarn is so thin and small. Yeah. They've never seen yarn as thick as, and I just brought normal yarn from here. But they were like, this is so you could make, you know, they just went nuts making <laughs> scarves and hats. And so they were all excited about it. So she was like, they would love this if you can bring more. So, um, this is Calcadon. She's 14. Her dad, Johannes, is one of the ministers in the city that IOI supports. Um, he's an amazing man. He's like one of those, um, you know, there are men who are intimidating, and then there are men who were kind of like just gentle teddy bears that everybody's drawn to, he's like that. He is so kind and so gentle, um, and he has a really strong ministry in his church and neighborhood. But Calcadon has been sick now for several years. At first she was diagnosed with TB. She went through like a year of really harsh medication, and they said her TB was gone, and I think she was good for about a year but then she got really sick again about three years ago. And um, they said they said everything from it was the TB coming back to she has heart problems, to she has um, something wrong with her lungs. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, she's very, very sick. She's at the point now where she can't walk. Oh. They have to carry her where she goes. She's on oxygen 24 hours a day. Um, and of course, he doesn't have a car and doesn't drive, so he has to carry these huge oxygen tanks onto the taxis and go to the hospital and pay a lot of money and swap out for a new one. And then, I mean, it's an all-day process for him just to get there and get back. So they've really been struggling. And so um, the some of the other ministers asked me if I would go and visit with them. And one of the reasons was because. Um, The doctors have told the uncle that they have nothing else to do for her and she's not going to make it. But they won't tell the parents that. In Ethiopia, there's this weird thing about you just don't give bad news like that. And so the uncle is talking to the other ministers and saying, what do I do? Because everybody coming to visit her is claiming healing and praying over her. And they've been doing this for three years. So when I came started talking with her, she was so severely depressed, and she was just asking questions like, I mean, even though she wouldn't say it out loud, it just kind of brought up these things, you know, have you wondered, why isn't God answering these prayers? What did I do wrong that other people get healed And, I'm, and so we just started talking about all of that, and she really opened up, and it just gave this wonderful opportunity to talk about how God is God, and His plan is good, whatever he decides is the best thing for you. So if he decides to heal you here and now, and you go on and have a long life on this earth, that is the best plan for you. But if he decides to heal you by taking you to heaven, then that's the best plan for you. But you need to trust that whatever he decides is what's going to be good for you. And this little 14-year-old is smiling and so relieved and so happy to hear this because she's been wondering that all of this is her fault. And all these people are saying, with faith you'll be healed, and she's not being healed. So she's thinking something's really wrong with her. So it was just, um, man, God is so gracious. And it was, because I went in there thinking, okay, I know why they want me as the foreigner to do this, because they can kick me out and hate me forever, and I don't live near them So I was really nervous about this whole thing. But, um, but even the parents received that. And when it was, I mean, when you visit there, you visit for two or three hours. If, you, if it's less than that, you're rude. So we visited for quite a while, and we were getting ready to leave. And she leaned over and asked her mom to give us snacks so that we would stay longer. It's <laughs> so really sweet. And um, I had taken her some books to read because, I mean, she's just been laying there thinking about, sickness and dying and all that, and so um, I took her some books, like one of them, um, the, the life story of Johnny Erickson Tata has been translated into a heart, so I took her that, mm-hmm. and another just like devotional book. And then she also asked for crayons, um, so we took her coloring books and crayons and all that kind of stuff, so I think, I told um, the guys there, I said, my goal is to just help her to smile any way I can (laughs) and trust that God's going to do what he's going to do. And so um, I feel like she was encouraged. Um, When we left, she was back in the hospital. Um, She got out for about four or five days, and we encouraged now she's back in the hospital again. Um, So this little one is having so much trouble. She's been in the hospital more than most people I know, and she's only 14. Mm -hmm. So if you would pray for Kapi'an. Her father... Is Johannes or
1: John, and her mom is Mesquite. The men, many of you've been there, and the little church we usually take everyone to called Shalom Church. It's in the city. Um, you kind of walk down into it. Um, that's the church where Johannes serves. So you you've probably been to to their church, and uh, you'll notice too that yeah, she's 14, but she looks half that age, just from malnutrition. Uh, but maybe that'll help you just remember, because um, you can picture that church you were in. You probably got up and spoke. Um, there's that blue tarp in the back, and it's right on that busy road. Um, and then also, her name means uh, testament. So when you think New Testament, Old Testament, her name is Testament. So that will help you pray for her. It's been, it's been, um, as far as you talked about loving around the,
2: the oxygen too, in any way that she. Mm.
0: You could while you were walking, but getting often on the taxi, that wouldn't work. So yeah, I mean when people can, like um, Focado and some of the others will, will drive him, but he has to go back so often that there's not always people available to help. So it's been, um, yeah, it's been a huge, huge struggle.
1: And, and the trick too of, I mean, from his house to the road, there's no sidewalk, nothing's flat, yeah, you know. No, no, no. So,
2: so yeah.
1: they have to have some big wheels on it. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. The um, other netson. Yeah,
0: this is little hunt. If you guys will remember, about four years ago, I met her and she was paralyzed. Oh, she yeah. and her mom were living in like a, mm-hmm. a a room the size of a closet, and she couldn't move and. Um, So we've been working with her for about four years, and um, she was out of school for two, um, because she wasn't able to walk and hold a pencil and that kind of stuff for hand. But we were able to do exercise, and we got her some physical therapy, and so she was able to go back to school a couple of years ago. So she's now in the 10th grade, and she is so incredibly proud of herself. And, because she has to walk to school, so it's, It's, I don't know, maybe two miles. She has to walk one way just to get to school and then do school all day and get home. So, um, But she wanted us to take her picture and to tell everybody that has prayed for her over the years that God has really answered those prayers and that she's doing good. And um, she was really intimidated about going back to school because she'd been out for so long and she was so far behind, Mm -hmm. but um, she's been doing really well. And she's just so happy to be alive and to be moving that um, she's just a bundle of joy nowadays. Mm-hmm.
1: And her mom um, now comes to our house and helps out around our house and gets a steady income that way, which has really been a blessing with inflation. She's been able to get you know, regular income. And so they're in a different home now, right? A same neighborhood, different house, a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, it's always fun to see her mom She'll come and work and have lunch with us.
0: She adores Brian. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't greet him the traditional Ethiopian way. She just bear hugs him every time she sees him. And it's, she's all of like, what, five feet tall? So it is the funniest thing to see her and Brian together.
1: Yeah.
0: And you guys know about Suki Church, um, the church plant that we work with. Um, these are some of the ladies. This is Easter Sunday. Um, <laughs> the Sunday before Easter, the ladies presented me with the cultural dress because they said um, that I'm not American anymore. I'm Ethiopian, so I needed to dress like that for the holiday, which is amazing. But even more so because that dress cost them about a month's salary, and these these are the poorest of the poor people, you know. So it was just, um, of course, I cried a lot, but um, <laughs> it was so sweet. And we had a little photo shoot after church because they shoot. wanted they wanted me to have pictures of them in their dresses and me in my dress. So um, uh-huh. it was really sweet. I spent quite a bit of time going with them into the neighborhoods and visiting um, sick and disabled folks, and catching up with people who had been a part of the church who had kind of dropped out during COVID, and we wanted face with them. So, um, yeah, it was wonderful spending time with these ladies again. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the elders at that church, his name is Gazal. When the church started, there was Stephen Kennedy and another guy from um, St. Louis and then four Ethiopian ministers that were the eldership of this church plant. Um, And so Gazal is just an amazing guy. He's a great teacher. He's so compassionate. And around Christmas time, he lost his wife to cancer. I think she'd been battling it for about three years. Um, She was just in her mid-40s. They had three boys. One had just graduated from college. She got to see his graduation, and a few months later, she passed away. And Gazelle has just been devastated. When we met, you know, I told you with the city guys, um, for those first few days, the Suki guys came too. And, um, because was just really transparent and open with us and sharing about the struggle that he's had, um, that he, it, he looked terrible. He said, I can't sleep at night. I, I can't lay down in my bed without her, without my thoughts, just going crazy. And so he just looked like he'd been hit by a truck. And then he's like, he testified to God's goodness and he talked about all of these little blessings that came along the way and how he understands and believes completely that God is knows best, all those things. But um, he just can't sleep. And um, so it was so good to fellowship and talk with him. So we had him and the boys over for dinner and Games and we just tried to fill up some of their evenings um, so that it wasn't hours of him just sitting and thinking. Um, so it was really good to have that time with him. And then um, one of the ladies at the church, that <coughs> Suki church, uh-huh, um, this is her. Her name is Hulu and that's her little nephew and her sister. I went and visited um, with her because um in October I guess she lost her teenage daughter um, and they don't they don't know she just said sickness they never could tell her what was wrong but um, she lost her home in Suki because she spent all her money on medical stuff taking her daughter back and forth to the hospital and stuff and um, so when she died, sister who lives like about a two-hour bus ride from Suki had room and and said she and her younger daughter could come live with her so that's that's the sister she's living with now. Um, She's not a believer and their mom lives there as well and she's not a believer Um, but Hulu Hucker was telling me that she was so devastated when she lost her daughter um, that she said she's like one of those people that's like just a bundle of joy, like she's always smiling, she was probably the best evangelist we had because she would walk to church and anybody she passed along the way that she could talk into it she would bring with her, you know mm-hmm. she was always bringing people to church and saying you gotta come and hear this um, and she said she felt like all the joy just drained out of her and she just kind of felt like a shell you know, thank you and um but she said, then Gazelle lost his wife. And she she was just crying, saying he never missed church. He kept coming. He kept teaching us. He kept loving on us. Even though we could see how much pain he was in. He testified to God's goodness, and he kept loving us. And so she said that God just inspired her with that. And she started praying, make me a believer like Gazelle is. And so... Um, she's experienced lots of healing over the past few months. And I just thought that was a beautiful testimony that um, after all of that loss, um, God's hand is still evident that he's at work and that he's doing things in the congregation and for his people. So she's one of my favorite ladies at Suki. She's amazing. Um, And Gazau and his sons, his wife had been a school teacher And so for an Ethiopian, she had quite a bit, a big wardrobe, Um, but the boys told these out, they just didn't think, they wanted her things to be used, but they didn't want to give them away in the city because they didn't want to see somebody else walking around in their mom's clothes. They just thought that would be way too hard. So they took a family vote and what they decided was they wanted us to take all of her things out to the countryside and all of the pastor's wives out there wanted us to give her things to them, so we never done anything like that for the ladies out in the countryside. I mean, we always gathered the ministers and do things with them. So this was the first time we asked all the wives to come. And we had a, a, a kind of a one-day conference. We did some Bible study and had some prayer together, and then we were able to give away her things to these ladies. And I think everybody got about eight items. I mean, it was between purses and shoes and clothes and everything. And so that's part of the group that came. A lot of the husbands walked the wives there because they came from so far away. But um, that was just a beautiful day <laughs> so to be able to testify um, that believers in the city love you and wanted you to be blessed. And it was just—it was a good day all the way around.
2: This is a church right here, right? Yeah, this is Booth's. Like, this is the kind of building that they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this
0: one's not quite finished. It's. The inside is mudded, but the outside hasn't been mudded yet. But they're in the process.
1: And a lot of those wives in the countryside maybe just have one outfit, maybe <coughs> a, maybe a, a home outfit and a visiting outfit, and then they got all the stuff. So
0: they were really excited.
1: Yeah, a bag full of stuff. Shum-shia.
0: And <laughs> this is Shamshiya. She is my favorite. I'm a city minister. Um, this is about 12 years ago on my very first trip um, there. We went and did a January Bible conference, and she had to bring her little girl because she came from a Muslim family, and when she became a believer, they just kind of completely rejected her. And Ethiopian culture is after you have a baby, especially your first baby, you and your husband go and live with your mom for several months and She helps you learn to nurse and do all those kinds of things you have to do as a new mom, and you know before you go back home. But she didn't have anybody to help her, and so she brought um, she calls her little girl Mimi. She had to bring Mimi to the conference, and she was I don't know maybe nine, ten months old at the time, and very energetic. And so um, I just kind of went and said. I can take her in the next room and play with her so that you can listen. And Shimshia just started crying Mm. because nobody helps her, you know. Um, And so we just bonded. From that point on, we were just best friends. And um, so every time I went back, we spent time together. And um, she, um, I can't remember the name of it, but where they... Do the test when you're pregnant and realize that the baby's severely deformed and isn't gonna live after birth. Well they suggested that she have an abortion. And we're pretty insistent. And so she was like, No, God gives life and God takes life away and I'm gonna I'm gonna love this baby until God takes it. And so um, the doctors finally gave in. But then when she gave birth, they took the baby away and didn't let her see her. And um, so she kind of, she and her husband insisted, you know, because the doctors were afraid she would get hysterical and hurt herself. But um, she and her husband just said, no, God gave us this baby, and we are going to love her, and we are going to pray over her, and we're going to enjoy her for as long as we have her. And so the baby lived for about an hour. And um, she said by the end of that time, every worker in the clinic was in that room with them and they were all crying and just marveling at how she and her husband were praying and singing over the baby. And so she said most people in that clinic were Muslim. And so she just felt like it was just a powerful act of God that he enabled them to um, testify to his goodness and to have peace in the midst of all of that. So um, she's just a precious lady. And then she came over this time, and we were um, catching up so that we could write a report to the people who sponsor her back here in the States. And um, she was telling us, Mimi's 12 now, and she was telling us she had gone to this training that was teaching you how to help children share their faith with other children. And so she, had, she was so excited about it, she went home and she was teaching everything to Mimi, and she said, Mimi has become the best evangelist at their church. She said, she tells all her friends at school about Jesus and brings three or four kids to church every Sunday. She said, she's just on fire. She loves it. And so she was just glowing as she's talking about how well Mimi's doing. And um, she's also in charge of the ladies' ministry at her church. And she said, she and four of their ladies committed at the beginning of COVID. To do street evangelism one day a week um, because so many people were so afraid they were just um, well like here you know people just totally freaked out they didn't know how to think about things yeah. Yeah. and so everybody was open to hearing anything about somebody more powerful than COVID yeah. Yeah. and so um, <laughs> she said they just chose different bus stops around her neighborhood and they would just stand there and say hey we have some really great news would anybody like to hear and some people would stop, and some people wouldn't. They would just kind of give them tracks. But she said they saw dozens of people come to the Lord. And they would get their contact information. Because because it's a bus stop, most people would pass them through. They didn't actually live in the neighborhood. And so they would follow up with them and connect them with churches close to where they lived. And she was just so excited that in the midst of all the craziness, God was doing things in their neighborhood. Um, and then the last thing she shared with us. Over the years, she, her husband is also a former Muslim. So over the years, um, they have continued to try to show love to her family. And so eventually, her dad, who was a local imam, kind of relented and allowed them to come in the home and visit. And they have uh, kind of maintained relationship with them. None of them have become believers, but they're all a lot more open to the gospel. And so she was recently in her father's house visiting. And her sister and her niece were there. Her niece is in her 20s. And she said that her niece just started really hitting her heart about how she needs to come back to Islam. She needs to be a Muslim. She needs to turn from all of her um, rebellion and all this stuff. And so is trying to share with her about Christ and about there's no way I could come back because I don't believe that's true and all these things. Well, come to find out, this niece has joined a really militant sect of Muslims in Addis. They um, have started Taekwondo gyms, which Shimshia said she found out is basically just teaching hand-to-hand combat and um, so she said, at the end of their conversation, she said her niece looked her right in the face. And she said, I love you, so I will promise you this. I will come and I will kill you quickly so that you're not tortured when the jihad happens. And Shansia said, she just broke into tears, and she's like, it wasn't even the fact that my niece was telling me she was gonna kill me. She said it was that looking in her face She was so completely convinced she was right. She had no doubt. And she was like, the deception is so uh, strong. And the darkness is so dark. And so um, we spent a lot of time praying with her that day. Just for her family and for so many of the young, young adults in the capital city that are being deceived.
2: That was a question I had, too, when I was there, you know, there was, it's like the Muslim building, new mosques, everywhere way turned, and then they're blasting the city constantly with their crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. so I was just wondering if that has really expanded even more, or
1: yeah, anywhere you know, there's or, anywhere there's going to be new, you can tell, there's going to be new growth in the city, like new apartments, new homes, um, the Muslims organize and build a mosque, a nice mosque there first, and then the community kind of grows up around it over time. Rather than, you know, usually we think, oh, that's a big community, let's go start a church there, you know. They try to get ahead of it, so yeah. Um,
0: and they also... They have a lot more money, too. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. also start all the businesses in those areas. So, I mean, most stores, most everything are Muslim-owned, especially in the newer areas. Um... So yeah, it, it, they are very
1: strategic about what they do. Ethiopia is about thirty to forty percent Muslim, but Muslim families have more children usually. So you know that's part of the strategy. Um, they uh, they have been they've lived peacefully in Ethiopia for quite a long time um, as a significant minority. But you know there is that concern as there's more and more. And remember, Ethiopia is complete—well, almost completely—surrounded by Muslim countries. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hmm. Ten fifteen. Hmm. Um, I was going to uh, just share the. Well, let's see if I can get out of. There. My my work in teaching um, in the countryside. Um, Yeah. Out in the countryside teaching, um, the countryside ministers will walk into a central location and we'll drive out there and spend a couple nights and teach and go through an entire class. And as You may know that they get credit. They're going to get a degree from our program because we've connected with a Bible college in the city. Um, and... That college had had so much trouble getting students to come to the city and enroll and be students for years and then go back out. Um, They they liked our system of sending the professors out to the country and letting the students stay on their farms and so we go out every month, uh, really every three weeks is the plan, to teach for a weekend and um, here we are. we're lucky to have this, this gentleman here. He can translate from English directly into the countryside language, uh, which really helps us. And um, I'm sitting to teach, I've had back problems, and riding out there in the truck, and then sleeping on the ground, it you get some little aggravators. Um, so the uh, the people, the, the men there got this mat for me to lay down on when I wasn't teaching. and. Uh, um, it was so sweet, you know, the, and there's actually a, I have an inflatable mattress too to lay on, which is nice, um, and uh, that really helped, and so the next time I went out, I was able to go about four times, the next time I went out, as soon as we pulled up, they I saw him running to get the mat, get the mat for the, the big American. yeah, <laughs> they, they prepared my mat, which is really sweet, yeah.
0: I think it's the first time Brian's ever taught sitting down. He hates yeah. sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fine. know, he likes to move around. Draw a mouse. Yeah.
1: We had Jesus feast at our house. Yeah. Hello.
0: We had about 30 adults at your house. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Our house is also the guest house, so IOI right. pays for it. It's huge. It's huge. So, yeah. Mm
2: hmm.
1: Nice. And uh, we. Toward the end of our time there, this gentleman here is a pastor in Wisconsin, a Presbyterian church. He came to teach uh, one of these classes and just did a fantastic job. I, it was it was good for me because he came, he taught in the countryside first, and I went out with him. And then we were coming back in to teach in the city. And when I got back, I told Cindy, I, you know, it was it was good, but it was a little it was. It was a little dull, you know. But he was a little dry. It was a little—it was just too simplistic, and uh, that, that was my take, you know. And he starts teaching in the city, and then we get all these reports. This is fantastic. This is the best teaching we ever. This guy's great. We got to have him back. It's wonderful. And it really—it convicted me that simple's not bad, right? <laughs> you know, just because it was simple, I was thinking, well, you know, they, they probably know all this. Well, not necessarily, you know. So. Uh, it was good for me. It was humbling. It convicted me to not be quite self-judgmental, but also just to learn from his example to make it simple, you know, in the... Just principle. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Worshipping and singing and... Oh, we live with an Ethiopian family now, too. Fakadu and his family moved into the guest house because uh, yeah. we've been gone so much. And now, so, we can all live there together which makes it ten times more fun. So, we love
0: them. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah. We're kind of these kids. Do the
0: children speak English pretty well? They do, but they would only speak English to me if we were the only two in the
2: room. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you play it slow, it sounds horrible. Um, anyway, we've got to break it. All the time.
0: Also, um, while we were there, Net and the TLC staff put together a video. And basically, several of our TLC kids who graduated university and tech school shared how TLC has changed their lives. It is the sweetest huh. video and I think they can watch it on the TLC website.
1: TLC sponsors are going to get it directly yeah. um, and then they'll probably put it on the website after that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it, I could probably send it
2: to any of you who want it
0: directly
2: yeah because okay. it is sweet yeah. Yeah. well uh, how about if we go ahead and pray over you guys and uh, lay some hands on you. David, would you like to come yeah. up and um, maybe leave prayer?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll get behind you. Um, the plan is for us to go back in September, um, and in the meantime, I'm going to try to get lots of help from my back. So Yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll so yeah. pray for your yeah. back for sure.
2: Yeah. thank you for this time uh, that we can hear this report uh, thank you for uh, letting us know them and letting us be part of this ministry and for the great work that you continue to do to them uh, thank you so much for the faithfulness of your people in uh, in Ethiopia uh, their faithfulness to the, their mission and, uh, and just to their faith Lord, uh, the The stories of suffering uh, that is met with just um, steadfast faith Mm -hmm. is um, such a blessing to hear. You lift up both Netsonets and uh, Kalkadon and uh, all the others uh, whose names I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but you know them all. You know them uh, deep into their hearts, and uh, we pray that you will uh, provide for them and take care of them. and help them just cling to you and uh, to continue speaking your word uh, even in the face of threat. Uh, we pray that you will uh, bless uh, Brian and Cindy in their remaining time here, and uh, we we'll pray specifically for Brian's back, mm-hmm. that you will um, pour out your healing upon it, that you will bring treatment that will be effective, that you will... Um, inspire him to uh, be faithful to whatever it is he needs to do with exercise or whatever it is uh, to make his back well and that they would uh, be able to go back uh, at the appointed time and uh, be able to continue uh, this great work that you are doing through them. Uh, so we thank you, Lord. Uh, we bless your holy name, Lord, and go now and to worship. Pray that by your spirit uh, we could worship in spirit and in truth, and uh, that your name will be glorified today, um, where we ask that we might be able to pray according to your will, uh, and rightly call upon your name, amen. amen. amen.